You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Tuesday, December the 28th, a wild and woolly start to the morning here in TW11. Settle down a bit now, not settle down enough at Leicester Racecourse to prevent an abandonment. Overnight rain has waterlogged parts of the course there, but still we are in this fabulous period of Christmas racing either side of the Irish Sea. And it will take a, a big performance today to better the one posted by Shishkin yesterday at Kempton Park. Yes, he is back. He came back explosively. And we'll be talking to his trainer, Nicky Henderson, in just a few moments' time. Lydia's with me this morning. Lydia, it was as though Shishkin, after all the chat, had never been away. It really was. He was tremendously impressive. He brushed aside Guida Team, who had previously won the Tingle Creek um, and seemed to be on a very much on an upward, upward trajectory. Maybe that was a quick reappearance for that horse. Don't know, but whatever. Uh, Shishkin himself, it was great to see him back in such imperious form, um, coming home so strongly and comparatively with the wayward lad you were telling me earlier, um, clocking some a pretty good closing out sectionals. Well, trainer's on the line now, Nicky Henderson. Uh, how is Shishkin this morning? No, we just had him out because he rang earlier and we just jogged him up there and he's like a belly dancer. Oh, that's, yeah. well, that, that's, that's excellent news. Um, yeah. uh, Nico said something, uh, De Boinville said something quite interesting after the race. He said that he, he felt he took quite a good blow before the last and had to look after him. It's quite extraordinary, the contrast between that and what you sort of looked at with your eye, which was just this horse going further and further uh, clear. Yeah, yeah, he just he did say he just had a blow and had to, he just sat him in the last rather than fire him at him, but um, yeah, there's no point in no, he was... He's everybody's seen it out really well, actually, hasn't he? But he was entitled to take a blow. I mean, I'm not surprised. I, I thought he'd actually take it earlier than that. Um, you know, it's it's been it's been a it's been a tough few weeks, I have to say. And I mean, literally a week ago, I wasn't even going to enter him. And then, was it simply a case of one morning just looked like a different horse? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's just, it was just. I mean, he only had one bit of work up till then since we'd stopped, um, and you know, it was quite a while ago when you know that was a fortnight before the Tingle Creek when we sort of said it said stop. Um, so that was another fortnight, and a fortnight after that, you know, he had, he had the best part of a month off. It was hard to clear up. Uh, there were a couple of things that were just stri- struck me as I was driving home last night. It's not a very long drive home for me from Kempton. A couple of things did, did strike me. One of them was um, you mentioned his physique when I watched a bit on Sky Sports Racing earlier in the year. And I, I know he was always an impressive looking horse, but he, he looked like he was taking one stride to all the others too. Do you think he's actually grown? He looked massive yesterday. He has he definitely grown. It was interesting. Did a J, I mean, JP said to me at the end of last season after watching you with Aintree, he said, I love that horse of yours. And he said, I think he's really good. I just, but he said, I just wish there was a bit more of him. You wouldn't want much more of him now. He's, he's massive. Yeah, he, he is a, he is a, a formidable yeah. um, um, physical he, specimen. He, he, he did improve dramatically through the summer. 
the other the other thought thought I had you obviously gave him a, a bit of a, a, a tidy up of his breathing during the during the summer. Yeah. Do you think sometimes those uh, breathing ups, however minor they are, do you think sometimes they that we don't sort of give we don't understand how long it take can take them to recover from it, even if it's a fairly minor procedure. Yeah, I mean to be fair, it was it was Nico who's right here. Um, he always said to himself last year that despite what he was doing, he was just making, you know, he could just hear a little bit of a noise at the end of things. And to be fair, I probably didn't do it soon enough. Um, and that sort of just, you know, I had to stop and, 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 and do a wind operation. Should have done it a bit earlier than what we did. Um, but it, it, it's never a bad thing to do it a bit later, like get them going and then stop and do it. And I know that's what, you know, a lot of the wind men would say, you know, the later you do it, rather than the end of the season, do it at the beginning of the season, get them going, then stop and do it, and then get going. It, it, it's better for them. It certainly helps them get through the year. Um, but we did it a bit later than I should have done, to be fair, and that just sort of, slightly put us on the back foot but we were always going to get to the tingle creek until i say he just wasn't firing and that's yeah. as simple as that do do you think in your in your sort of uh, heart of hearts that the clarence house is a goer or not i haven't really i mean i i, I think it is a possibility yes i mean if you saw him bouncing down the yard just now trotting down there you wouldn't know he'd been anywhere yesterday um you, you honestly wouldn't he was just he was on springs and looked as fresh as you could wish for but you know you never know what's underneath it and it's hard to that's mm. that's always something that's hard to tell you know you sometimes you run a horse two weeks running you just can't tell what what it actually has taken out of them and coming back quickly is yeah, as we were saying yesterday, you got that. It, it, it's at either end of the two possible races, at either end of the spectrum. One's one's too soon and one's too late. Then there's nothing in the middle. <laughs> um, before I go, and uh, and I know it's a busy morning and it's filthy weather down there today. Uh, are you likely to run any of your star novice hurdlers in the Tolworth next weekend? Yes, I am likely to run Constitution Hill. Excellent. And is he in good form? He's in very good form. He'd have a gallop on Friday. And if all goes well, that's where he'll go. Looking forward to seeing him. Nicky, thanks for your time this morning. Not sure. Thanks, Nick. Uh, Nicky Henderson there. Quite a bit to pick up on, um, Lydia. First of all, it, entirely possible that he'll go to the, the Clarence House, though understandably, Nicky Henderson is not going to commit to that, even though he's going to get an, an entry today. I suppose the key question with regard to that and any future targets is, what's in his way? Well... Uh, increasingly little, I think, is, is the answer to that. Shaka uh, Bassoir didn't turn up this week. Uh, he has uh, what, what Willie Mullins described as a hamstring injury, but he also said that that's kind of had a knock-on impact of a couple, with a couple of old injuries, and clearly there's a race against time to get him to the Queen Mother Champion Chase. I'm not sure he's effective at the old course at Cheltenham anyway, but I mean, he is clearly at his very best, quite a brilliant two-mile chaser. And then he's, there's his stable companion, less proven at the highest level, certainly in open company, and that's Enegamen, um, who came back in the hilly way, um, at, was very brilliant as a, a novice chaser last season, 
clocking some really good times, you know, really eye-catching. And a clash between him and Shishkin would be something to behold. I think they're both strong stayers over, over two miles, actually. Um, I have a little worry about whether Enigamen would really want a tight turning left-hand track such as the old course at Cheltenham um, but the, the clash against the two of them would be something to behold I mean that, that would be a proper race and it could bring out a, a real star in, in this division uh, certainly a star performance of the kind of figures you know that Sprinter Sacco was, was able to, to, to clock if the two of them come together in the right conditions where both of them can give of their best and then you've just got a, a lot of other horses that are sort of knocking around and can, can hit the frame at the festival, um, the likes of Nubi Negra, who I'm inclined to throw out his Tingle Creek run, and I think I'm more likely to base him on his second in the Queen Mother Champion Chase last year in a steadily run event. I think he'll he'll be better for a, a more strongly run event, um, and his win in the Schlur. But I mean, we talk, we're, we're talking really about the clash between Shishkin and Enigamen, and let's hope that that happens at some point. Yeah, I mean, Chacan Poussois, in fairness, there's not going to be another target for him, is there? If they can get him sounded in one piece, that's where... He'll, he'll probably end up. And at least you know that he has got the raw talents to, to have a say if, if everything falls in place. Definitely. I think he's an absolutely brilliant horse. I, I think he is superb. But I think his style of racing is not suited by that track. And there was a concern going into the race last year. And I know it was a steady run race. And I know that Willie Mullins wishes that they'd made more use of him up front, which is what they did at Punchestown. Nonetheless, I have my concerns about Shaq and Passoir there. But, you know, it, it, again, and it's a race against time to get in there. So, you know, there, there are enough question marks, I think. Um, but, you know, he's a, he's a, a viable price. Edward Stone won yesterday's Wayward Lad Novices Chase by a, a really wide margin and looked pretty impressive doing so. Lydia, you talked about the times. Obviously, the, the sectional times told us what Shishkin achieved you know, relative to a fairly slowly run first part of his race. The overall time told you that you know, Edward Stone still overall didn't run too much slower than Shishkin and it was still a creditable performance on the clock. But he's just a very good novice. C- can he, however, lay a glove on Fernie Hollow, who was so devastating earlier this week in Ireland. Yeah, I thought Fernie Hollow was really good and very exciting. And of course, the stable companion, Ut on Couleur, made his debut um, in the beginner's chase yesterday as well. Um, and that horse clearly has the Arkle in mind, or it, Willie Mullins has the Arkle in mind for him. So he's another horse to, to bear in mind in this division. Edwiston obviously has that brilliant performance in the Henry VIII Novices Chase, which, you know, really completely outshone uh, the Tingle Creek on the clock and was just a, a really excellent performance chasing through third time lucky. He probably went a shade too fast and certainly didn't jump well enough. Whereas Edwardston, apart from, you know, one or two sort of rubbing errors was fine. He, he can sometimes be low. There was a couple of times uh, when he was in the process of winning the wayward lad and conceding weight uh, to do so, uh, where he was a little bit low, but he could also be very good. I'd be interested to see how he fares at Cheltenham. And I feel that there's scope with him potentially to go um, going up in trip. But certainly he seems to very much have come of age this season. His uh, attempt at having gone novice chasing, having been thwarted at an early stage last season. And Alan King made very favourable uh, comparisons with his two great horses of the past, uh, Voipur Estedes and, and My Way to Souls. And the latter was particularly talented on his day. And his day happened to be when winning the Arkle. Yes. Um, it's a, I, I, I mean, as it should be, it looks like a deep division. It's possibly not as deep as it could have been with Appreciate having, having exited stage right and heading towards, if they can, getting him back for the, the champion hurdle. This is last season's supreme novice winner. But there's, the, I mean, the, there's a depth, uh, a ready depth in this, in this division over 
um, in Ireland. And uh, I think we've got a very substantial, Britain's got a very substantial horse in Edwardston and, and the, the Sandown performance in particular, I think, tells you that. But there's going to be plenty of really high class opposition when it comes to Cheltenham in March. Uh, talking of Sandown, just picking up on the very back of that Nicky Henderson piece a few moments ago uh, constitution hill confirmed for next saturday's i can't remember what day of the week it is tolworth hurdle uh, <laughs> uh, at sandown and uh, i frankly i i pay the gate fee just to see him again i think i agree he was brilliant uh, over the course and distance last time going back to the tolworth is a very logical thing to, to be doing the way he finished off that race the way he powered up uh, sandown's final incline was really really exciting and again that looks like i mean it, it's very early to be talking about you know strong races at Cheltenham in March but at the moment as things stand the Supreme looks very exciting indeed. Well there were many years when the idea of a Welsh trained winner of Wales's most prestigious race the Welsh Grand National seemed incredibly unlikely now we've had three in three years three different trainers the latest is is Sam Thomas whose horses remain in fantastic form the horse I will do it and do it he did in really really attritional conditions he, he gave everything uh, and the only sadness, really, that, that there was nobody there to, to watch it. But Sam was there, of course, uh, and he joins me on the line now from his, uh, from his base in Wales. Sam, um, for you, someone with such close associations to the, to the race course, to the country, just try and explain how much this meant to you. Uh, Nick, um, you know, I've grown up watching this race and, and Chepstow very much feels like home for me. We'd always be point-to-pointing at Howick, which is just a mile down the road, and... Um, you know, being can be, we'd often find ourselves around Chapstow Racecourse uh, on many occasions, and uh, I've had a, a long association with it as a jockey. And um, yeah, it's just very special to go to to Chapstow and, and do 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 what we did yesterday in the biggest in the biggest race. It's uh, yeah, it hasn't it hasn't sunk in. I've got to be completely honest. It's um, it's a dream come true. Did you get any sleep last night? Uh, not a lot of sleep. No, uh, my fiance Tory uh, organised a lot of our friends to come 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 to our house, and um, obviously doing our socially distanced thing. And um, uh, look, it's just great to be able to celebrate it with people at home. Unfortunately, um, you know, my family and friends couldn't be there at the races, which was just uh, a real great shame to see that uh, stand empty like that uh, on a big day. It, it's, it's terribly sad, really. So, yeah, we we, we enjoyed ourselves last night, and. Um, like I say, I don't think it's sunk in yet. I'm looking forward to watching the replay a couple of times today and uh, responding to everyone's messages that have kindly sent me. This horse, it would be fair to say, was was a relatively unlikely hero early in his career, even though he was, you know, useful enough. Yeah, no, I totally agree, Nick. He's, he's, he's sort of um, really stepped up, especially this season, uh, obviously. But uh, we always felt that he would, you know, develop into a stay chaser. Um, he's always been a horse which has uh, appreciated softer ground. Um, he's not always been the easiest to train. He, he he's, uh, has been, uh, you know, very picky with his feed, feed and what have you. So it's meant that you're only governed to, to sort of how, how much work you can give him uh, by, by sort of how he's eating, really. But he's this season, he's just turned the corner. He's a different horse. He's matured. Um, and like I say, he's eating brilliantly, which means that we're able to train him, train him sort of normally, if you like. And um, he's now finally showing us what uh, what he's what he's capable of. Um, yeah, we're just thrilled, and um, you always hope that a horse can go and do that on the on the big stage. But to actually, you know, witness it, you know, winning your own horses is very, very special. And, and it just looks as though there is no distance that will be too far for him, no ground that will be too soft for him. Is it is it fair to say that? Absolutely. Um, you know, and I and I genuinely thought 
that's what he, he was going to do first time out last season at Kelso. We ran him in the Borders National um, and um, things just never got going. You nearly, nearly fell at the first. You nearly fell on the multiple occasions around there and just never happened for him. So that put us on the back foot for the rest of the season. But yeah, I, the stuff was better than and when we saw the rain coming. I was I was over the moon, especially especially carrying that ten stone featherweight. It's, uh, it's a bit of a bit of a gift, really, when you've got a horse which can which, which can handle those conditions. And for you now, how does it feel to be sort of dining somewhere near the the, the top table? You know, you were you were right near the top as a as a rider, as you said the other day. There were a, a sort of few years in the in the wilderness where you didn't really know what you were going to do, but you're still you know very young by by a trainer's standards. You've got a really exciting team of horses. Do you feel in a good place now? Yeah, I think so. Um, but sort of personally, in my own mind, I only feel I always feel like you're only as good as your last runner, really, and and, and sort of that probably drives me to to keep 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 the show on the road and keep the keep the horses running as well as they possibly can so yeah look it's great that we are having success and it just highlights what we can do but also that just keeps the pressure on me i think and, and make, make sure that we keep 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 doing what we can and um, it, i'm not, not, not going to sort of rest on my laurels and um you know just you just sort of sit back and relax i think you need to just now that things are going well just keep it up and, and it, uh, the irony won't be lost on you that the horses in, in second and third were trained by Paul Nichols, for whom you rode so many big winners, including the legendary Denman, of course. And you know perhaps better than most w- what it takes to beat him. Well, that's it, exactly. We've been on the other end of uh, the, the result quite a few times in, in my short training career. And um, he's a phenomenal trainer and his horses are always super fit. So, yeah, I think to, to go and uh, you know beat, obviously, champion trainer like that is it, it, sort of it, it's satisfying but um, yeah I, you know, all credit must go to the horse Nick and, and obviously our staff really it's uh, it, it's a fantastic team effort here we're, we're very lucky with the facilities we've got but um, we have an incredibly hard working bunch of staff here and um, it's great when we can get rewarded with a day like that uh, Sam Thomas there and a, a sweet success for him um, tarnished only slightly Lydia by the the absence of crowds yesterday in 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 Wales but uh, a, a proud moment nonetheless and it, it's been one of the sort of quiet success stories of the the last 12 months or so hasn't it definitely the the building profile of Sam Thomas's yard and the the races that he's picking up this is most significant yet and I will do it overcoming um what was an unsatisfactory start I think certainly from his perspective it was um, and keeping on strongly in, in sapping conditions only five horses finishing the race ultimately um, yeah it was it's it, it is a shame that there weren't people there to, to watch the race and it, it is frustrating I think for for Chepstow you know bearing in mind that you know a few miles over the border it's completely different but uh, nonetheless it was a, it was a really enjoyable race to watch on the television and it is a really good winner for both the Stan Shepherd and Sam Thomas. Uh, I was watching the race at Kempton. I was standing about 10 foot behind Joe Tizard, who was watching on, and I was wondering what he was thinking as Native River was labouring his way round. And clearly what was in his mind was, we better retire this horse because he didn't seem to enjoy that at all. And he he goes into a a more than honourable retirement. What a horse he's been. He's been absolutely fantastic and he, the 2018 Gold Cup winner and obviously he's run some doughty races three times I think in the the Gold Cup he's hit the frame other than that success as well. 11 years of age now, rising 12. It did look last season as though, even though he got that win um, at at Sandan in the early part of the year in the Cotswold Chase when it was rescheduled there, um, when he beat Bristol de May for for one final hurrah 
apart from that, it did look as though age was beginning to to catch up with him. Um, it certainly suggested that way at, at Aintree against Protectorat. Um, I think he is a fabulous horse. He will be much missed, but it's great to ha- hear that he's going to have such a, a good retirement. The consistency of this horse and the way that he jumped and just the the sheer honesty of him is really something to, to remember for a very long time. And of course, the partnership that he also built with the now retired champion jockey, Richard Johnson. And of course, we always get quite um, het up about when horses, particularly national hunter horses who've been around for a while, ought to be retired. I mean, he's made it very easy because he's a horse who wore his heart on his sleeve so hard that you know you knew as soon as he couldn't really produce a performance of any sort of meaningful form that that was him saying, I, I can't do this anymore. Yes, uh, it, it's, I think it's very difficult to look on from the outside because some horses it very much enjoy the routine of being at a, at a racing yard. Exactly. And actually, whilst we humans looking on think, oh, it would be you know, much better for this horse to be you know, standing in a field in retirement. And you know, obviously there are lots of other things that they can now do, which is really good. You know, the, the ever burgeoning retiring, retiring of racehorses um, and the retraining of racehorses enables, enables horses to have a second career if that is most suitable for them. But, you know, we shouldn't always impose the idea, that, the human idea that, you know, sitting in an armchair, the, the equine equivalent is necessarily the best thing for a horse. Um, it'll be interesting to see what what the how that is us plan to retire in Verticoma's native river. But you know, I, I I'm always wary wary of that of the idea that you know we we look at a horse's form, we we rate it, <laughs> and the horse is completely oblivious to it, um, and we decide that the horse is is less good than 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 he he used to be, and so we think that you know for our own uh, peace of mind that that horse should be retired. I think you should you know that those closest to the horse know what what the horse enjoys most and you can see from native river it's palpable that he's he's not um hasn't got the same verve as, as he was so that they can and they can decide to redeploy him and um, nicky richards has taken the same decision of course with taking risks uh, the 2019 scottish grand national winner you know winner of the rehearsal and the sky bet another fantastic horse who's 12 rising 13 and it's funny, actually, I, I mean, I completely agree with you that, you know, that our tendency to anthropomorphize all the time is completely understandable, but doesn't work when it comes to, to discussing this. So, though I did, it did occur to me when you were saying that, that actually probably the last thing you want to do in your advancing years is just sit in an armchair if you can possibly avoid it. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, it's, it's a good point that you make. I mean, we all know uh, people who um, who are very, very busy, then head into retirement and actually seem to lose something of them, themselves to it. I mean, other people, you know, embrace it in different ways. But, um, you know, many, for many people, um, stopping keeping yourself as busy um, is not necessarily a, a good thing. And it's the, the same with horses. They're all different. People are all different. And the great thing for both Native River and Taking Risks is that neither of them has to watch any daytime television. So that's a... <laughs> I don't know. They might like Homes Under the, ha- under the Hammer. I, I, like, I enjoy a bit of Homes Under the Hammer. They can just have this podcast piped into their boxes forever. <laughs> a house in the country. I'm less keen on that. I did used to quite enjoy Wanted Down Under, Lydia, which you might remember was a programme where um, unsuspecting uh, people from Britain... Um, quite often couples would be taken to Australia in search of their uh, a much better life, only to see the disappointment on their faces when they realised that it was basically like Surrey in the sunshine. 
<laughs> they were always dragging their kids along as well, weren't they? And they had to sort of vote with that, um, that turn over the, the piece of paper that had the Union Jack on one side and the Australian flag on the other. And the tension was provided by uh, people uh, voting in different ways during the course of the show and where they're going to come to the resolution. And they always had the sort of heart-wrenching uh, Zoom call with their grandparents as well, didn't they, uh, at some point. You know, not that I've watched this closely. And that was when, like, no one, no one had Zoom in those days. So I know it. They're, they're ahead of the curve. Way ahead of the curve. Anyway, neither Native River nor Taking Risks will be uh, will be having to watch Wanted Down Under if indeed it still exists. Uh, I I need to get your thoughts on on the King George and what it meant and what it might mean, if anything, for the remainder of the year. Uh what did it mean um well i thought the tor- tornado flyer has a new horizon opener up to him uh i think he was uh, very much benefited by the way the race panned out uh which was very strongly run in the early part and you know got going uh, a long way out in the in the latter part uh, i think that um Clandizobo ran another excellent race at, uh, at a track that shows him off to best effect and might have finished a bit closer um if he hadn't gone with um, St. Calvados um, on the home turn. Um, I, <laughs> Asterian Falange is really frustrating, isn't he? I mean, he finds a way in which, you know, not to get involved in a finish and that sort of, that, that lack of self-preservation um, or, or willingness to throw himself to the floor um, is always going to temper your enthusiasm for him. But he really did look like he was going to run a good race and I thought that Brian Cooper had delayed his his attack as well it might have been interesting in closing stages I think Tornado Flyer would have won anyway uh, yeah it'd be interesting I mean his, his horizons have been open for for uh, other tries over three miles and beyond at Cheltenham nice little portfolio of grade one wins now for Danny Mullins to whom we spoke on this podcast yesterday about his victory and he also talked about his ride today on Flooring Porter in the Christmas hurdle at Leopardstown over three miles and he rather conceded Lydia that it's a question of what side of bed Flooring Porter gets out of, you know, if it's the right side, then it's going to be a mighty hard horse to catch in any race over three miles. Yes. Now, uh, I was talking to Ruby Walsh on the road to Cheltenham about wh- what the configuration of uh, Leopard's Try and Tack today, and he was of the view that it's it should have a continuous inside running rail, which obviously is of help to Flooring Porter because he likes to jump out markedly to his left. However, he's failed to complete the last twice. He does go out that way, and, it, and that isn't an inconvenience, but he, he's still pretty young. And last season, he was highly progressive. This is a really interesting race. Um, you've got Classical Dream, who only turned up once last season. And we very rarely see him at a race course. He was able to win um, the grade one at Punchestown, absolutely thumped the opposition that turned up there. And it, it's exciting to see him back. Abacadabra t- stepping up in trip to three miles for the first time. His best performance was when stepped up to two and a half miles at Aintree. And you've got the likes of solid side de Burley, uh, running for Gordon Elliott, um, Ronald Pump making a quick reappearance after a disappointing run in the long walk. Commander of Fleet, who's always was thought of as being quite smart when he was a, a novice, he's stepping back up into greater company. And Sam's profile coming back for Maris Morris and Aidan Coleman riding. And of course, that is merely the aperitif for what we believe will be uh, an exhibition for Aplutar in the Savile's Chase, or will it? Well, I mean, that links in with the King George, doesn't it? I mean, Manila Endo was uh, very uh, disappointing in the King George. and His stable companion, Aplutard, who was very exciting when winning the, the Betfair chase and ran really well, went second to Manila Endo in the Gold Cup last season. He steps forward for the Savills chase. His form suggests that he should be able to win this readily. Janadil's the one that is improving, um, having finished second in the John Durkin last time. 
um, probably again advantaged by the way he, he was ridden in testing conditions on that occasion but nonetheless these are new horizons for him and he does look to be on the right trajectory and you know Galvin potentially could be um, stepping forward uh, as well uh, he ran pretty well when second uh, to Frodon with Menela Indo behind him at Dan Royal last time and of course he won um, the National Hunt Chase at the Cheltenham Festival last season. It's an interesting race and Plutarch should win it. And now that Manila Indo has really blotted his copybook, I mean, the moment that he was wearing first-time cheek pieces for Kempton, you, my, my first reaction was, okay, I can see why that might help you around Kempton. And then I felt, well, but really, it sort of suggests to me that they're just not quite happy with him. And, you know, he's won the Gold Cup and suddenly at two stars later, he's turning up with first-time cheek pieces in the King George. I think that was a, a concern. And yes, he went at it uh, with, with on early, um, but he did look a bit lacklustre. So the way is clear for the seven rising eight Apluta to win the Savile's chase and strengthen his hold in the anti-post market for the Gold Cup. So it is Tuesday. I know you've all forgotten what day of the week it is, but it is definitely Tuesday, which means we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherbees. And I'm delighted to head to Ireland today to Guildtown Stud and to uh, check in with the manager of the Aga Khan Studs in Ireland, one of the most historic breeding operations, not just in Europe, but anywhere in the world. And that manager is Pat Downs. Uh, Pat, um, season's greetings to you. Uh, thank you so much for, for talking to me today. It's no exaggeration, is it, to suggest that what um, His Highness the Aga Khan's grandfather, the Aga Khan, the third set up in the 1920s has been one of the most important breeding operations the world has seen well first of all good morning nick um and a happy christmas and new year to you um yes indeed it, it is and it has been a tremendously uh, successful family enterprise um you're probably aware that we're about to uh, in when we turn into the, the the new year it will be 100 years um since uh, His Highness's grandfather uh, got involved in, in the bloodstock in Europe. Yeah, so that was um, the setting up of the of the twin studs, wasn't it? In in France and in and in Ireland, am I right? Yeah, well, he, he made his first purchases in uh, in 1922, and um, and I know the Shishun, where we currently have our Irish yearlings, that was purchased in 1923. Um, and the French farms came very shortly after that, so it's been a it's been a long time going, and it's something that is uh, is is great. His has been very proud of the fact that um, it has it's lasted this long, and um, and uh, that we're heading east to third generation now, and and soon to be. Um, obviously, Zara, his daughter, is very involved as well, and she will be the fourth generation. So that's something that they're very very proud of and, and pleased with yes, the human and equine dynastic threads run run very hard through this operation for, for a century as you as you point out when you go back through the pedigrees when you go back through the history and you've obviously know more about it than just about anybody else are there common factors that you can see running through it is there a common philosophy that you can see running through all that well i suppose um uh, his highness his grandfather started by buying fillies that he would want to become foundation mares for his studs. And that theme has been carried all the way through to today. Um, and we're, we're, we're fortunate that we can see on the farms today the benefit of decisions that were taken 100 years ago. Um, pro 
probably one of the the, the best examples of when he purchased um, a filly that was named Mumtaz Mahal, and we can bring her all the way to today to uh, Zarkava, and indeed her son standing us her stud in France now. So it's um, that's that definitely would be. I suppose at, at what has continued from from day one to today, uh, that it was all about the families and um, and looking after the the various members we have of the different families. So Zarak, your one of your three stallions in in France, together with Darian and Siuni, he actually traces all the way back to a mare that the current Aga Khan's grandfather bought hundred years ago, or thereabouts. Yes, yes. That's 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 pretty extraordinary. Uh, th- does that make your job and and those who work on on your level more satisfying? Do you get more of a buzz out of it because of that? Well, I think I think you'd have to get a you'd have to get a kick out of that. I I, I think that's that's tremendous, and and you know we we've seen that's that's one example, but we we have several examples like that. Um, Tarnawa is very topical. She she comes from a family that uh, His Highness's father uh, purchased. I think it was back in the sixties, and um, so we have we have lots of examples of that. And yes, it, it is. It's uh, it's it's nice to have that association. It is something I think we we certainly all enjoy. So even though you are now standing in Ireland and France, two of the most influential stallions in Europe, and dare I say it, the world will come to them in a moment. Would you say that the ethos of this has been? broodmare focus it's a female focus that has you know that has driven the success of the Aga Khan studs I, I think the definitely the, the focus definitely has been on the females because we we would see it as it, it's from the family the females and and those families that that everything comes um our, our stallions obviously with the exception of uh see the stars um but our racing stock our stallions the stock we will sell that keep the whole thing going um everything comes from the mares and uh it's something that certainly in my early conversations with his highness um that he he made it known to me that that's the, the, the mares of the nucleus and and everything comes from that and we must look after the the families which you certainly have. You, you mentioned See the Star, so let's focus on, on him. Uh, tell me first, how did the association come about uh, between uh, His Highness and the Choi family to stand See the Stars at his stud at, at Giltown, where you're talking to me from now? Well, I suppose when uh, when See the Stars was during his three-year-old year racing, um, Mrs. Choi was going to, at some point to have to make a decision on what his future would be. Would he stay in training as a four-year-old? Would she retire him? Um, she obviously decided to retire him and then she didn't have a farm to stand him on and she made a decision and a, a very big decision that she would retain 100% of him herself. And so then we had uh, we had a common trainer in, in, in John Ox, obviously, and... Um, and I was out, I was literally, I was out in the gallops one day with John and he said, do you think this would be a possibility? And I spoke to his highness and we, it was something that we were obviously very keen to pursue. And that's how it happened. And how much pleasure did it give his highness and, and all your team that See the Stars then produced a derby winner in the green and red silks? Yeah, the race that is so important to middle distance breeding and a son of See the Stars in Haas and who you now stand alongside him. Well, obviously, um, the, 
the Derby um, at Epsom is a very important race for his highness and uh, and a race that he he loves to have a, a contender in. So yeah, we were delighted, and the fact that he, he, he was the son of see the stars was something that gave us a, a, a great kick as well. Pat, I know how personally uh, passionate you are about uh, breeding quality horses that have that have stamina, that have class and stamina. Um, to what extent do you think See the Stars is going to be a sort of generational contributor to sort of turning that tanker around? Um, I think he will play his part, and I think he is playing his part, but uh, it is a very big tanker, Nick. And um, I suppose when I look at... I'm 23 years in this job now, and when I look at the different profile of not just any one horse, but... The, the, the entire list of horses that we will do our matings from and the profile of those horses has changed quite dramatically and I would love to see it just rebalance a bit it's, but as you rightly said it's a very big tanker that will be slow to turn um, but to get back to your point about See the Stars I think he is making a, a very worthwhile contribution to that we ought to talk a little about Siuni as well, because his influence has become more and more important, particularly in the last couple of seasons with the successes of Sotsas and, and St. Mark's Basilica. Is he a horse that you always anticipated would be a, a stallion of impact? Well, I'd love to say uh, absolutely. But I mean, the truth is when Siuni uh, was um, not your typical Agacan stallion to retired stud, um, he, he obviously was a group one winning two-year-old but he didn't win as a three-year-old and that in itself um, would have made him quite different from the what tended to be the norm of the type of horse that we would retire and he was introduced at a, a fairly modest uh, stud fee um, but what we saw from the very start was his ability to, to upgrade mares and that has just continued um, year on year to where he's as you say he, he's one of the best stallions in Europe now um, and holds a high position in, in the stallion list which is uh, which is great for us to see. And Sayuni was marshalled brilliantly as so many of his highness the Oakhans horses have been by Alain Duwai Dupre who has retired this year after so many years of brilliant handling of top quality racehorses how has has his retirement been felt by by the whole team? It's sad that it's come to an end, um, but what a career he's had, and uh, what a tremendous man, and a great, great trainer. And his ability to plot a course for a horse was was simply outstanding, and um, and no better example than than the way he steered uh, Zarkava's race career, um, which was impeccable and 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 that was Alan and um I I'm I'm sad to see him go but I'm I hope he will have a a really great retirement and that we will see see plenty of him in the future and uh, finally Pat perhaps we can leave it with the great mare that you you talked about earlier Tanawa the Breeders Cup heroine and ran such a valiant race in the arc um this year uh what are the immediate plans for her well the plans uh for the her first season of stud will be that she will travel to the UK to be covered by Frankel. So we're excited about that. Um, that's the decision we've taken. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's not a decision that took a 
a huge amount of time, or did or did it? Well, when you, when you actually look at her pedigree, um, for example, she's out of a Cape Cross mare, so see the stars is not an option for her. Um, I would imagine we will we will send her to France to see uni at some point, but we do have a, a sister to her uh, turning two now. Um, so we'll see how she gets on before making that uh, making that particular decision. So the, the the options are actually, I suppose, for a filly like Turnover are relatively uh, thin on the ground for the start of her stud career. Uh, Pat Downs, my thanks to Pat and indeed to Nikki Henderson, Sam Thomas earlier in the programme. And Lydia, I mean, I don't suppose it's a massive surprise that Tanar was going to, to Frankel, but still, it is news, uh, and one that I, uh, a bit of news I hadn't seen anywhere else before. And uh, there'll be no pressure on the offspring of, um, of that uh, union at all. <laughs> what a brilliant matchup that is going to be. They'll stay as well, which is uh, music to, to my ears, with a, a bit of speed injected in the Tanawa side from Shamadal. And um, Frankel's reputation is, is growing all the time. Um, Tanawa could just be a little bit flighty to post, couldn't she? That could be quite an explosive combination. Uh, yes, hopefully explosive in the in the right way. I, there, were lot, there were lots of bits of that interview where I, I thought that you would be nodding in approval, certainly the part about you know, turning the tank around to, to try and get more stamina-laden horses, the way the Aga Khan has put um, you know, the female first in terms of trying to build families. That's been very much the focus over 100 years of, of breeding horses. The fact that uh, one of the stallions, they stand now, a son of their Arc de Triomphe winner, descends to a mare that the Aga Khan III bought 100 years ago. It's good, it's all good mm. stuff, isn't it? It is. We've got to incentivize. Uh, the breeding and the purchasing of m- m- staying horses, you know, the, the antidote to cheap speed for the ordinary person as well, I think, you know, as well, ordinary person in inverted commas, as ordinary as one gets one when one is buying a racehorse. Uh, but you know what I mean? We need, we need to make it a more, a more viable option so that the, the turning a, a fast buck, relatively speaking, yeah. um, is not quite so attractive and that the, the, le- the playing field is balanced because otherwise we risk Europe this is not just Britain um you know uh, uh, selling cheaply the thing that we m- built our reputation on and it, it what it makes us the best middle distance countries uh, continent in the world uh, do you have a tip for me for today yes I won't pretend that I didn't find it difficult I did so I went to the two o'clock at Catwick and I quite like the horse find the time who's running for Nikki Richards and Brian Hughes I think the step up in trip is going to be a positive so it's find the time in the two o'clock at Catterick. That was Tuesday, December the 28th. Lydia, thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.